0: The reading today is Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 15 and the heading is The Choosing of the Seven. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables brothers and sisters who choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word this proposal pleased the whole group they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit also Philip Prochorus Nicanor, Timon Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of their freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, that they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel.
1: Good morning. Um, This clock right here uh, used to belong to my grandparents. Um, They had it as a a wedding present so it's over um, 70 years old. It's a little bit temperamental uh, but it does still um, work. Sadly um, they passed away so now it's in my possession. But don't isn't it just amazing how clocks work? I mean, I've tried to have a look inside, and it's just fascinating to see how all the little bits tick by and the little cogs just work together to create the perfect clock that keeps perfect time. Well, this morning, we're going to spend our time in Act 6, and we're going to mainly focus on the first seven verses, and we're going to use Four simple words to help us move through those seven verses. We're going to look at division, delegation, deacons and disciples. But this morning we get to see what made the church tick. What made the church tick? How was it organised? How did it get its job done? But as we begin, let's pray. Loving Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for all that we've seen so far in Acts. We pray this morning, as we look at the next section of, of Acts, that you would lead us into your words and show us truths and be encouraged by the spread of your good news. Amen. So as I said, uh, we're looking at four little words to help us through these first seven verses. So here's the first one. Uh, division. 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 Uh, When you hear division, maybe sort of you have flashbacks to those maths classrooms where the teacher's saying, right, Martin, uh, time to do some long division. Like, oh, can't I just use a calculator? Now, that sort of division gives me a bit of a headache. But it's not going to do much more than that. The sort of division here we see in Act 6. It's a sort of division that can destroy the church. Uh, Just look at verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now the Hellenistic Jews, those the ones who spoke Greek, were complaining against the Hebraic Jews, those that spoke uh, Aramaic. And they were saying, look, our widows are being not taken care of properly. They're being overlooked. Now that's a serious problem because, you see, back then, a widow had no means of support. She had no one who could give her income, no one who could give her food. So she was reliant upon the gifts of the church. And she, the Hellenistic ones are being overlooked. It's a serious problem. And one that, that must be addressed. But, but more than that... The bigger problem is there is division. There's division between the Hellenists and the Hebraists. We don't know why. We we don't know if it's ethnicity or or mother tongue. But these two groups are are not getting on. It was a major problem. And if left unchecked, uh, the one church of Jesus could be put into two. And then if there's two, then what's stopping any church for any reason for division is cutting off and starting again why is that so bad? Why is division such a bad thing? What's so wrong about splitting off in that way? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he died to remove all barriers. He died so there would be no more Jew or Gentile, no slave or free, no Brighton fan or Crystal Palace fan. He died to remove division. And when we divide, we're building those walls up again. Of building them up. It's an attempt to, to remake what Jesus has destroyed. That is dangerous. It undermines the gospel. It undermines the witness of the church. Because it, if we talk about the reconciliation of, of God and man, but yet we can't be reconciled to each other, or, or Jews from another part of the country, where's the power of our message going to be? Division is a deadly disease the devil uses to destroy the church. And it's the same today. That's why we must act when we see any division that occurs. Just as the disciples did then, so must we today. But that leads us to our second word, delegation, delegation. Um, with this problem in view, which was a an important and serious problem, the disciples uh, had to do something. I mean, they could have just sort of buried their heads in the sand and gone, la,
0: and
1: just sort of hoped it, it went away. But I don't think they'd win any leisure prizes to you. No, so they had to do something. Now, we, we may expect them to kind of just step in and to, to do something about it, to directly get involved and say, right, you do this, you do this, you do this. But instead, they convert a third way, a wise way. They delegate. They recognise that they have a special calling to, to prayer and to preaching. Uh, just listen to what they do then in verse 2. So the twelve gathered, all the disciples together, and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. They said, it wouldn't be right for us to do that. We need to delegate this task out to others. Now, this is not a question of importance. They're not saying we're too important to this job. This is a question of focus, of focus. Because if they deal with every uh, practical matter that comes by, they won't have any time to pray and to preach. So what does it mean? Well, it means the primary job of leaders in the church is to pray and to preach. To pray and to preach. That's their main task. So encourage us as leaders to not shirk those two responsibilities, to take them seriously. To take preaching and praying seriously. Uh, Ask us how that's going. Ask us how our preparation is for our sermons. Ask us how our prayers are for the church. the spread of the gospel. Encourage us in that. And so to that end, as curate here at Bishop Hannington, sorry Holy Cross guys, um, you should speak to Dave about this next bit. Um, I would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you individually. Uh, So over the next few months, um, don't be surprised if you see an email pop into your inbox, um, just asking how I can pray. If you don't respond, don't worry, I'll still pray for you. Uh, But I'd love to hear a phrase specifically and intelligently uh, for you. Leaders are to focus on praying and preaching. But of course, if leaders do that, there's going to be a whole raft of other important jobs that need to be done that they cannot. Remember our clock. Uh, There are lots of paths that make it tick. Remember the church. There are lots of paths that make it tick. We need leaders praying and preaching, but we need others carrying out the important tasks as well. So that brings us to our third word, D, de, deacon. Now, deacon's not just a word I Google to try and find another sort of D word. And D, deacon, uh, means servant. It means servant. And that's a disciple's solution. Just look at verse 3. Brothers and sisters... Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. In other words, appoint seven men who are Christians, who are godly, and who are wise, and let them take responsibility uh, for this task. In fact, we learn from verse 5 that all these men were from the Hellenistic Jews, the people that were complaining. Um, So they were given the job of of ensuring fairness amongst both those groups. Remember our clock. Different parts, the same responsibility, to spread God's word. Now these jobs uh, might not involve waiting on tables, but they could involve using spreadsheets or cameras. Uh, These jobs uh, might not be administering food to widows, but they could be making phone calls those that are lonely. Jobs that make the church tick. Jobs that make God's word spread. And so firstly, uh, I want to say a big thank you, because I know and have heard of the ministry of Bishop Hankson and Holy Cross that for decades it's been faithfully spreading God's word. It's been a faithfully ticking church which has meant that there have been many people who have been faithfully serving the church and serving Christ, helping God's word to be spread. So thank you. Uh, Thank you for your service. Thank you for playing your part. Thank you. But secondly, um, it it may well be that you're aware of an area um, which has been neglected in church life something that, that, that is important and needs taken care of. If that's the case, please do let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But also consider this. Uh, maybe maybe the Lord's laying that area in your heart because he wants you to be the one to do something about it, to serve in that area. He would like you to serve there, just like the Hellenists served uh, with the spreading out of the food for widows. And thirdly, um, there are areas that we do know we need servants in. So, for example, very soon we're hoping to be uh, live streaming in the church. Uh, we know we'll need servants to help with the cameras or the uh, AV. Or, or we know that, that lockdown has been high this summer, and there are many in the church um, who are finding life difficult. So, so we know we would love some servants who could love and support other members of the church family. Or uh, we hope uh, very soon that our children and young people's programmes will begin again. And we would love some servants who could support those ministries. If any of those uh, might be ways that you know, even now, that you could support and serve then please get in touch with the office. But just like a clock, there are many parts, and not all parts are the same, so not all jobs will be suitable. But the question remains the same. How can we serve? What role the Lord, ha- Lord have us play in making the church tick, in making God's word spread? Division, delegation, deacons, and lastly disciples. Let me read again, verse seven. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God spread and the number of disciples increased rapidly. You see, the the problem of division was overcome by delegation to the task of deacons with the result that the word of the Lord spread meaning that there there came disciples. Uh, Acts 6 shows us a a church uh, ticking in perfect unity with each other. Members serving to enable the leaders to, to pray and to preach. But underneath it all, underneath it all, it was Jesus continuing his mission to take his word out to his people of turning hearts that were cold and callous to become his children. It's Jesus' mission that we're joining in with. Brothers and sisters, let's be churches that tick together. Let's be churches that tick together. We have different roles but the same aim of spreading God's word Let's pray that Jesus will do His mission of taking His words out to His people, of turning hearts that were cold and hard to be His beloved children. But what is more, a church that that ticks in that way is a church that that ticks in tune with its head, the Lord Jesus. He he is the the perfect embodiment of all of those roles. He is the one who who perfectly proclaims God's word. He is the one who perfectly prays and still prays for his people. He is the one who perfectly served from washing feet. To ultimately dying upon a cross the sinners like you and me and as his church we are called to walk the same path to walk the same way of service a church ticking together in time with its saviour will be a church that spreads God's word I wonder what part you'll play in the ticking church to spread the word of the Lord. But our passage isn't quite finished, is it? We still have those eight verses at the end. The the eight verses, the trailer, the prologue of of one of those seven that we heard about, Stephen. And his life. Now we, we haven't got very long, so let me just recap those eight verses for us. Within it, we see a man who performs many signs and wonders and is full of grace and love. We see opposition arise from his own people. But even though they try and silence what he's doing, they cannot speak a word against him. And so we see them make up lies about him and haul him before the Sanhedrin and trump up false witnesses against him. We see that as they look at him, they see one who is speaking the very words of God. And then we know from the next chapter, we see him unfairly sacrificed, sentenced to death. That's in a nutshell the story of Stephen, but maybe it also sounded familiar at the story of Jesus. And it's meant to. It's meant to. It's meant to remind us that um, as his servants, we follow in Jesus' footpath. That no servant is greater than his master. Just as we follow Jesus in his steps in his service, we will also follow, or be called to follow, in his steps of suffering. Our treatment will be no different to his. And so, when we look at Stephen, we see an example. We see a man who was gifted by God, undoubtedly, but was still a servant like you I. Stephen served. He served the widows. And the word the Lord spread. But he also took every chance to speak as well. And so just as Stephen followed the example of Jesus in service, he was also called to follow the example of Jesus in suffering. But here's the encouragement and the challenge right at the end because Stephen served like Jesus today, or then, he could speak for and suffer for Jesus then, when it mattered. And so today, if we will serve like Jesus today, we will be equipped to speak for and suffer for Jesus then. Let me say it again. If we serve like Jesus today, will be equipped to speak for and suffer for Jesus then. So with that in mind, let's leave it for this question. How can we make Jesus' church tick today so that the word may spread and we may be strengthened? How can we make Jesus' church tick today? Let us pray uh, as we close. Loving and gracious Father, thank you that Jesus is our Lord and King. Thank you that he is our example, the one who served us by dying on a cross and the one to whom we follow. And Father, help us to follow in his footsteps of service and be prepared to follow in his footsteps of suffering. Lord, help us to make Holy Cross and Bishop Hamilton churches that tick so that your word may spread. Amen.